This week's episode is sponsored by Church Media Squad. Ever wish you could add 50 more hours to your month? Church Media Squad helps you do just that each and every month by creating ultimate custom graphics for your church. With Church Media Squad, you get unlimited custom graphics, unlimited revisions, unlimited file sizes, source file access, and no templated designs. See how your church can save time and look awesome today. Grab a 14-day trial at churchmediasquad.com. From Creative Church, this is the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. Hey, hey, creators, welcome to the Creative Church Podcast. Today is Friday, July 13th, 2018, and I'm your host, Nick Goodner. Uh, here with me today, all the way from just outside the Mile High City, Ross Montgomery. I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little bit stitious. <laughs> it, it, well, you should be because it is Friday the 13th. Yeah, I, that's what I was just going to say. I, I, I'm just a little stitious. Just a little stitious. Yeah. And uh, to his digital right, <laughs> my left, Emily Cummins. Hey, guys. Now, speaking of, you know, superstitious and ominous things, Emily is <laughs> right in the middle of a thunderstorm. Like she's, she's like literally there. Did you hear that? that? Huge. Oh my goodness. We we can hear the thunder. Yes. Yep. Uh, A little behind, a little behind the scenes. We don't have official podcast studios. So we're just recording (laughs) this from our desk. Actually, that's kind of perfect for like, you know, some sound effects during the Friday the 13th episode. So I'm good with that. That's actually perfect. (laughs) I didn't even realize it was Friday the 13th until I was writing these show notes. Like that's how, like that's how alerted I I was to the to the to the upcoming date. I didn't so. realize it until you said it's Friday the thirteenth. I will say I'm glad to be back in my normal location this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have you know been traveling Same. all week. Yeah, it's guys, good to I'm be glad grounded. to be in my normal location <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> it's well, full of surprises, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, one of the first episodes she had bats on. Now she has <laughs> ominous thunderstorms. I got to keep it interesting for you guys. I feel like you guys should capitalize on Friday the 13th then. They're like, you need to have some kind of event. Ooh, we need to bring like those Halloween edition Oreos that have the orange cream and there's like bats Mm. on them. Yes, that would be great. I was a little nervous we couldn't fit in an Oreo talk in this segment, but I was glad that you you fulfilled the quota for the show. That was good. Never doubt me. I always have my go-to movie that I watch on Friday the 13th though, so. What movie? What is it? Yeah. It's called Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Okay, I've never it's heard of that. It's on Netflix. I don't remember it being cuz it was made in 2010. I don't remember it being real huge back then, but I discovered it on Netflix and it is hilarious. So, oh, perfect timing with dun, that dun, there. Dun. Yeah. yeah. But uh no, it's 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 a good one. It's it's very graphic with with like oh. the gore. So I should not watch this. Um no, no. Big Brother say no, mm-hmm. Emily. Um, Thanks, but Ross. but it's like it's like to a Quentin Tarantino point of like it's just ridiculous and so um, yeah I laughed all the way through it. So you laughed through the gore? I don't understand. I mean, I don't want to give anything away for someone that might go and watch it, but <laughs> it's I mean I obviously know it's fake and I can separate that as I'm watching it. I'm like oh gotcha. you know, that's a really they're doing it for an effect and the situation that they're in with it is really funny is it is it supposed to be funny or is it like yes it's 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 a comedy horror it's comedy first horror second it's 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 one of my favorite movies and and every friday the 13th i have an opportunity to go see it i will so nick do you have a friday the 13th movie no i 
I, yeah, or I, tradition. A tradition? No, I don't have anything. I, I'm not even stitious a little bit. Um, Same. I'm yeah. not superstitious Gro- at all. <laughs> Growing up, we played tag in the graveyard. That was... in, oh, really? So you really are into this? Oh, I mean, not like superstitious, like anything's oh, okay. going to happen, but like okay. we just thought it was fun to do on a Friday the 13th gotcha. night. Gotcha. Youth group would go out and play tag in the graveyard. Well, we have a great show planned for everyone today. Um, over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to be previewing some of the other podcasts on the Crave Church Podcast Network. Um, this week, we're going to be previewing I Crying Corners. Each week, Dottie um, encourages those navigating leadership, ministry, creativity, and all the awkward life stuff in the middle. Uh, I Cry is currently on hiatus, but it'll be making its season two debut in August. Um, this is coming up a little bit later. Up next, though, is Quips. <laughs> Quips. Each week we dive into the headlines, articles, and conversations making their rounds on the internet. The ones that are important to us and we feel is impacting church, culture, or creators. And we discuss. Emily, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so do either of you, and I kind of already know this answer, but I'm just going to ask you all for the fun of it. Do either of you lead or manage people? Yes. No, I, I've never let a Nick, you manage me and Ross. <laughs> oh, is this what this is called? This is like hurting cats. Well, you're leading like this huge thing called Creative Church and all of the people who contribute to it. So I think that counts for that counts. this article. That counts. Yeah. So I read this article in Fast Company about the things that you need to talk about, the conversations you have to have as a new manager. So... For me in my world, I just passed the six-month mark, like six months and 13 days today um, of being an executive director. Wait, hold up. Hold up. (laughs) Did you say 13 days? As of today or as of Friday? As of Friday. Like I'm pretending (gasps) it's Friday. Oh my gosh, that has to It all something. lines up. That has You're to becoming something. a little more stitious, Nick. I'm just holding <laughs> up. I'm holding up for the thunder to to crash in the background so that we can just get that just that effect. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead, continue. Sorry, sorry. No, so I've reached this milestone in being an executive director, managing leading staff um, who report to me. And going into this role, I knew it was going to be different. I was moving from peer to boss, manager, um, leading the vision and not necessarily um, can I, being. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How long were you like a peer on the team? I was a peer on the team. Let's see. Okay. So I've been on Church of Pope's team twice. Um, once right after college for about like eight months mm-hmm. um, as the communications director. Then I moved to Vegas when I moved back. Um, I was originally actually a leadership coach for this team. So I had a, I wasn't on the team. I was contracted to be a coach and coached mm-hmm. them through different leadership principles. Then I was on the team as a peer for a year, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so about you, a year. Yeah. So you had a long run on the team as a peer. Yes. And did yeah. you move into from peer up to leader or was it like a, you know, a few months off or a few years off or was it all consecutive? It was all close to consecutive so the we we took the staff in two phases so essentially how we structured church church of hope originally everyone was reporting to the lead pastor and then the next phase for us as a staff um, as with many staffs as if you're listening and you work on a church team 
Um, then you have that next tier of leadership. So you'll have an executive pastor, executive director, directional staff, whatever verbiage you use. Um, so then the staff, the day-to-day reports to that person and not your lead anymore. So that's gotcha. what I transitioned into. And I took okay. half the staff at first. And then around Easter this year, actually two weeks before Easter, I took the other half. Yay. Happy oh. Easter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that now everybody on our team. And listeners may me, remember this was the same time that uh, Emily had the bats <laughs> in her attic. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, I, I, you know, Friday 13th, you got 13 day, you know, I don't know, Emily. I, I think this is your holiday. I think this is maybe your, you maybe know, it's her lucky number. Your lucky number is 13. Actually, no. My lucky number is 15. Uh, oh, come on, guys. Why is it 15? Hold up. Why is it 15? Okay. Let's think about this. We're in Does Florida. It... Okay. You know one of the places I graduated oh, from. God. <laughs> oh, God. I just threw up in my mouth. I got to go. <laughs> I, hey, guys, you know what? Do the rest of the podcast without me. I'm out. <laughs> no. I'm out. I'm See, done. I, I, I'm I don't done. know as a not She's a talking about Floridian. Tim Tebow. Exactly. She's talking about oh, Tim Tebow. Come on. The most overrated college no. football uh, player ever. He <laughs> went right. to the NFL and couldn't do anything. And now Our what he's playing. Oh, just died. Oh, oh gosh. This is hurting my heart right now. You're hurting oh. my heart right now. Come on. Oh. Did, did we just witness a sibling rival? Yes, we did. Well, this is interesting because with my actual sister, who is also a Florida Gators fan, I have this same rivalry. So no, just must, you Oh, my goodness. I, this, is, this is. Okay, so first off. Let's hold, put the conversation on hold. Put, put <laughs> like, on we hold haven't even quick. touched the let's article yet. Put the quip on hold. You know, I didn't really prepare anything for my quip, so I guess this will be mine. So let's put Emily's on hold for oh, a second. No. Let us talk about Tim Tebow's career post college. <laughs> okay. Can we? Can we just a little let's, bit? Just let's a little. talk. Ross, you have a little bit of play in this because he went to Denver, didn't he? He, he did. To, yep. He did. He Broncos. did for like for like five days. Um, <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> So let's talk about this. People in college football, because if you're a big college football fan, you're SEC fan, oh, whatever you yeah. are. I'm an SEC fan, okay? Tennessee Volunteers. Sucks since Ugh. 1992. Um, but I'm still a fan. So with college football, all right, they still talk about Tim Tebow. Like he's he is a the legend. prince of like he is the Michael Jordan of college football. And I and I, I I mean, I'm not saying he was a bad college football player, okay? Mm-hmm. But it was all about him. That's all I'm gonna say. It was all centric on Tim Tebow, because once he left, what happened to the Florida Gators after he left? They weren't so good. They weren't so good. They weren't so good. They weren't so good. And then what? He goes into the NFL. What happens? He's, well, let, let, let's just fast forward. <laughs> he's playing minor league baseball now. I was just going to say, what's let's, happening. let's talk what about what he's now. actually doing okay. now. No, no, no. I we mean, he's it. a great let's humanitarian. He's a great Christian. I'm gonna give him uh-huh. all those things. Uh-huh. He, he uh-huh. puts his money and, and, and time into things that are worthwhile. I, I mean, I love him. You know, lo- you know, if he wants to come on the podcast and talk, we can talk. But I don't know. I, I just okay, feel so like. Okay, so let's rewind to your first <laughs> statement about uh, when he left the Gators and then the Gators okay. not being so great. Because I'm, right. I'm with you there, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> but there's also several other key players who graduated with him. So a big crew of the team like left at the same time as Tebow. And okay. I think that was a contributing force to the team because then they became a young, like not very, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into the in, football in politics there. Is but, it, are yeah, you saying inexperienced the team? I mean, yeah, that's the, yeah. But they're all younger, freshman, lower classmen, exactly. Yeah. Whereas the all like they built up a strong team, then they all graduated and left. So that's I won't argue with that. I won't. Side. I won't argue with that. But I think like. And this is just where, at the end of the day, if somebody is pursuing and living out their passion and dream, I don't think 
any of us can argue with that because it could look different to different people. Okay. Right. Um, and for him, I think at the, and I've not ever spoken personally to Tim, so this is just my like. But let's assumption. pretend like you did. Let's okay. pretend like you did. You spoke if personally to Tim. If I had had a conversation Tim. with Tim, here's what I think he would say. That if he... <laughs> Shut up, guys. <laughs> let's put let's put let's put Tim's words in this point. <laughs> this is Becoming this is a Tim crime. Would look like this. Hey guys, this is a crime against journalism right here. This is what we're doing. So let's go ahead. Let's commit this crime together. Everyone okay. ready? Let's go. <laughs> I feel pretty confident in this crime though. Right now, what I'm going to say. <laughs> That's what all criminals. <laughs> You can That's always invite him say. to be on Becoming. <laughs> yes, podcast. I could. Okay, so I really feel like, though, he would say any platform he had to share who Jesus is and the hope we have in Christ, like he would take it in a heartbeat. So if that's playing on a, on a football team, awesome. If it's playing on a baseball team, great. If it's being a news anchor or being on like an SEC network, great. I think at the end of the day, it's not necessarily the what, but more of the why for him. And the why is like, God has given him this influence and platform to spread his name so drastically with people who might not tune into Christian things, you know? So I would say that's what he's chasing after. But I could be totally wrong. I I, I, I can agree with you on that. I, I can get with you on the Christian stuff because he is a very good <laughs> representation of Christ. Okay, I'll give it to him. Okay. I'm just saying as far as football player, I just because this is this goes back to you liking his number, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just absolutely. I'm just interesting. So let me ask you this. What mm-hmm. is what is the reason for you liking his number? Is it because he's a Christian or is it because he's a good football player? It's because he's Tim Tebow, man. That's not a healthy that's answer. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <sighs> the end. Um, oh, man. But this was way looking... better than what I was going to bring. This is awesome. <laughs> all right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, go it, ahead. Finish. It, it did just dawn on me, though, if we were sticking with the number 13, that is Taylor Swift's number. So, I mean, we could have Boom. fun with that, too. Right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tay-Tay. Yeah. Be, be looking for the uh, sports podcast on the Creative Church Network this fall. <laughs> no, no, so. no. Because that was the extent of the, of the <laughs> of sports knowledge that I have was boiled down. That was it. I'm, I was running out of material there. Tapping out. Hey, have you read Tebow's books, by the way? No. Uh, no, but I will say I've gotten very close to Tim Tebow. Not personally, oh, really? but like like in, in proximity. Like physically. Oh. Like I was, I was close. close to him. That's cool. You know? And that was that was a big day in my life. Um, but <laughs> see, you're a Tebow fan too. I knew it. I, I don't. I'm not a Tebow. <laughs> I don't put those words in my mouth. We've already created. You the just most- said it. It's been recorded for all to hear. <laughs> Emily's just putting words in people's mouths. There's a Tim Tebow's now mine. Uh, you guys, watch out! Watch out! So it's going to be renamed to becoming who Emily wants you to be. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not cool. Okay, I feel like now we just need to. Sorry, that was a slap. Now let's set up an interview with Tim and let's get his take on the record. Okay, I think he has to come on the podcast now. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, just like not an interview style, not an interview style, but in a roundtable discussion. Like we had to sit down with Tim and figure out some things. We had to work through his life post football and uh, see where he's at, see what he's doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Make it happen, Nick. Um, wish me luck, everyone. Emily, what is what is your quip? Go, let's yeah, let's so get back to quip. Uh, I think we've offended, we've offended the entire state of Florida, so let's go ahead and just 
let's let's get let's get back to your quip. Okay, so if we're on this conversation on conversations you should have as a new manager, I've learned a lot my first six months and 13 days of being an exec director. And this article really rings true with, I think, my journey thus far um, with leading a team. And a couple of the points that they share um, hit home for me. And I would love to hear if these make sense with you guys. Ross says you're leading your team. Nick as you lead me and Ross. Um, so and Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow. <laughs> I also lead him as well. <laughs> so the first idea is build trust. Don't chart a vision yet. Um, and it's showing you're worthy of your team's trust. So rather than coming in and like you're ready to change everything and call all the shots and oh, yeah, be the new one. person, it's yeah. just showing them that they can trust you. You're going to listen and um, something we say at Hope all the time is, like, everyone on our team, you will be heard and you will be respected. We might not implement always what you're saying or the idea you're bringing to the table, but I will listen to you and I will definitely show you respect. Um, and so that's a big part for me of building trust. Anything you guys would add to that that idea? As a wrecking ball personality type. <laughs> That's, that's my personality. That's what eight should be called. It's not challenger. It should be wrecking ball personality type. Um, I'm coining it here, guys. Uh, as a wrecking ball personality type, I have to say this is a learned skill because this is not something that you you just automatic. I, I don't think a lot of people have automatically. Well, I um, agree with that. I would too. I, I know several several different <clears throat> occasions where I've gone into teams and that's my first priority. I'm just going to go in there and blow up everything that you're doing wrong. But uh, oftentimes, whenever we sit down and we actually listen to what people are saying, hear them out, even if their Tim Tebow rationale is wrong, um, <laughs> oh goodness, we can we can always we, we can you. always find we common ground. You. Thank you, yes. Ross. Thank you. <laughs> we hear we hear we hear Emily. We respect Emily, and uh, we can always find common ground and and build up a better team and better conversation. So I love this. <laughs> Absolutely. One. So the second idea is to get to know your team members and take notes. And one of the first pieces of advice that I heard from Jenny Katrin was to have like a little Evernote file mm. on each of your staffers. That's exactly what I thought of when I really? read that point. Yep. It's so smart, though, because then like you can always, I mean, keeping names of kids, spouses, ages. Like I have my whole staff fill out first just yeah. like a basic questionnaire kind of thing, like favorite ice cream, favorite, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And just getting to know them and some of their favorites. I keep them in a file. And then I always try to, and this is something Jenny taught me, like start your meetings, start your one-on-ones, start the day being relational. So for me as a one, I get in a meeting, I get into my work day and I'm like go mode. Like I'm here to work. Let's do this. We've got stuff to do. Like we have a vision to follow. Like let's go, let's go, let's go. But I have to stop and remember, like, I have a human being across from me, not a human doing. And, and just ask, like, a couple questions. So, like, knowing one big thing that's going on in their world and just asking for an update on who they are as a person and then diving into the stuff we need to be doing. Um, so this one's interesting for me. And I want to ask you a question just okay. as a person who takes notes on their people. How deep do these notes go? Like, is it like personality traits that you've noticed where you're taking notes and you're like, hey, don't bring up this conversation with them? Or is it just the surface level stuff like what's your favorite ice cream? It depends. And I think sometimes it can even depend where um, and I don't mean this to sound weird in what I'm going to say, but where they fall even in a depth or an org chart. 
So I might have part timers mm-hmm. that I only get a 15 minute one on one every week. So we're not going gotcha. to have the time or the depth to dive into like I, the deepest, darkest fear in their world. Um, but I can know some of the basics like their kid just got into a summer camp they wanted to go to or something like that. But with a full-time staffer or somebody who um, is leading out a team or something like that, and I have a longer one-on-one time with them, um, and they're leading different areas where I get to see a lot of their strengths or weaknesses in action, um, sometimes taking notes on things I observe or how they react or what I've seen in their you know, Enneagram number come out, um, it helps me interact with them and know how to ask those questions. Because sometimes with different Enneagram numbers, it's all in how you ask the question, not necessarily what you're asking. And Mm -hmm. so I might have the same question for everyone, but I'm asking it completely differently to one staffer versus another because how they hear it will be totally different. Um, And so that's just the and the notes in the file. It's like it's for you personally. Nobody else is going to read it. So it's just making it make sense to you so you can best lead them. Another idea I liked from this article was making it clear that you're in learning mode, which I think initially, if you're a manager, you don't really think like, oh, I don't want to show like I'm weak or I don't know something or like you're leading all these people you want sometimes to portray that you have it figured out. And I think our people know like we don't always have it figured out and that's okay. Um, so I've used this statement actually in the last couple weeks. Um, we we're moving fast on a project and I made a quick call. And then like the next day I decided to move in a different direction. So I just approached my team and said, hey, like I'm learning in this whole thing. Um, so we're in this together and I'm actually going to change directions. But no, like I'm learning. I don't have everything perfect just yet. And me just like cutting the tension with that um, and owning like, hey, I'm I'm changing direction because I'm learning and that probably wasn't the best direction for us to go when I made the original call. That helped our team, I think, with our first point, just build trust with me that like I'm going to own it if it's not the best move, um, just like I'm challenging our team to own it when they don't show up with their best moves as well. With it, you know, especially if it's a new position, that's a little easier to do of, yeah. of just being in, in observation mode of, mm-hmm. hey, I'm just here to to kind of see what your culture is like and, and what y'all are doing that, um, you know, I just want to see how things operate here. And, you know, before you make any suggestions and before you try to change anything, even if you have a great idea like day one, you know, that may be a day 95 <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, totally. My, my question was, and I don't know exactly if this is the appropriate way to ask this, um, or the best response will come from this. But um, my question was, is there a time whenever that has to kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, stop? Um, oh, when yeah. you transition into yeah. more of the team. When you're more action. like, yeah, you're more secure. Because at some point, I feel like with teams, yep. it, you know, you can have mistakes and you have those learning moments, mode, or you have those learning moments. Um, right. But eventually, if you're doing that every week or every other day, that's going to lose, you know, your team's going to lose a lot of faith in you as a leader. Oh, you think absolutely. there's a time whenever that has to say, okay, yeah, yeah I kind of have to make the transition to be more clear in what's For going sure. on. Or, or what do you think? Well, I feel like, you know, if you were saying, if you found yourself saying once a week to your team, oh, I'm learning, I'm learning, or like, my bad, like, I think you need to pause like immediately and talk to whoever your supervisor is and just be like, I need, you know, you to help me learn through this or a better way to um, you know, talk through things or make decisions on the fly or whatever you find the hang up to be. 
Um, but it shouldn't be a card that's thrown all the time and, and being truthful though. Like if you really have messed up, I, I really believe you should own it. Um, because that's what I want my employees to do. Um, but if you find yourself consistently messing up, like you need to grow because your team's only going to grow as far as the lid that you've set and the lid is you. Um, so you need to grow beyond that. But I also think when you are six months in, like you have researched, you've asked questions, you've gotten to know the team, their personality, their favorite color, like the stuff that works, the stuff that doesn't work. In the first six months, you should have your first run on like the tough conversations. So your first start of pushing back on an attitude or something like that wasn't best or coaching on different things. And I think your second six months is you beginning to make changes and adjustments and diving into like, okay, you know, I'm, I am here. This role is not new anymore. Like you, this is not a shock to you guys. I'm leading you and, and I'm making some different, different decisions. And also by that time, you should have been able to build trust um, and be charting that vision. So that's my long answer. Ross, what would you add to that? No, I, yeah, I, I didn't really see it as a learning mindset being kind of something to use it as an excuse of like, oh, well, I didn't know mm-hmm. kind of thing, but more of a, <clears throat> again, that whole I'm observing, I'm a sponge kind of uh, just here to, to learn from you guys while I'm getting my feet under me. It's especially, you know, again, the whole article centers around it's a new management uh, position. So it's like you're in the position for a reason. You, you can right. obviously do the job. I don't think they're questioning your credentials, but yeah, it's, it's once you get that trust under you that you're able to make some of those. And it could be small things at first, maybe within three months, you're just starting to do some little things yeah. before there's this big change. And so they kind of get used to, you know, some different things that you're introducing and you're becoming more of that prominent voice, you know, whatever the team looks like. And, um, you know, at the same time, like I'm here to help and I'm, I'm, I'm on your side. I want you to succeed too. And, you know, then, then when it does come time for a big decision, it's like, Oh, he's put some time and thought into it Mm -hmm. because he wants us all to be better. Um, I'm just saying like in a, my sense, not he or she, um, you know, because they want us to be better. They're, they're bringing all this stuff up. Um, even if it is a big change, it can, it can be, it can be approached by other people better because of, of all that you put in and kind of built into that, the, the stepping stones of being able to make those big decisions and not, not it being a complete left turn from anything that they would expect from you. The last like idea that I thought was cool. And I think a lot of uh, people in management or leadership positions can struggle with, because I've heard even sometimes the opposite is share who you are more than surface level stuff. Um, and at the same time, I've heard as well, like you're not really, their friend like your friends you can be friendly you can always be kind to people (laughs) but you're not their friend either like you are not a michael scott situation (laughs) yeah you're their boss and so i think this is a hard balance um because it's a balancing act of what you empower people with so for sure be honest about who you are more than you know favorite color i like chocolate not vanilla like that kind of stuff some of the stuff that motivates and inspires you and brings you fulfillment. Um, But also having the wisdom that some things, you know, might not be best to then share every little detail um, with your team, because at the end of the day, like you still are the person who has to go in and have the hard conversation 
or the coaching moment or, you know, whatever the case may be when push comes to shove. Um, and so I think, you know, being friendly, being friends as much as you can, but also never forgetting that at the end of the day, you are the leader in the room. Um, and that that's just a hard, hard thing to balance. Yeah. And that that sets us up for a magnificent transition into our next little segment. Um, we're going to be previewing the I Cry in Corners podcast here next. Um, I'm going to move the show along a little bit faster, skip my quip because I didn't have anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Charlie is actually going to be talking about how you are, you know, as leaders, sometimes we have to go back and cry in a corner, get our stuff fixed, and then go back and lead our teams. So here's our preview of the I Cry in Corners podcast. Things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. All these episodes that I'm currently fumbling through is, is to give you building blocks to maybe help you become more self-aware and to grow deeper in appreciation of who you are. Because I feel like if you can appreciate authentically who you are, the world won't be able to tell you who you are. Yep, you can't lead yourself or people well if you don't have uh, those two things in check, which is being self-aware and understanding who you are. And that's why today we're talking about feelings. And as a person who has a lot of feelings and is surrounded by people with a lot of feelings, I truly believe down deep in my bones that this topic can make you or break you. So let's jump right in. I am and have always been I'm an emotional head case. That's even scary to say out loud. Like I'm super catastrophic. Like when I was 14, I sprained my ankle playing basketball with my cousins. And when I fell to the ground, I grabbed my ankle and my very first response was like, oh my God, my career is over. It's over. I was 14. I didn't have a career. I had no job. My sole job was to play basketball on the weekends, uh, occasionally in high school. And um, I wasn't being looked at by the NBA, but I was an emotional kid. Do not judge me. I literally was screaming out loud. I mean, you could hear me from everywhere. <laughs> Honest moment. I don't usually believe the best in situations. <laughs> uh, I don't even even believe the best in people. That's horrible to say as I'm a professional Christian, supposedly, and I'm on staff at one of the greatest churches in the world. The Lord has really been dealing with me with believing the best and seeing the best and not being catastrophic. See, my mind always goes straight to the Dateline NBC endings. Does anyone else do that? It's just me. When things go wrong, uh, for example, my non-existent professional basketball career at 14, I always believe the worst. But that intense feeling driven mindset has been uh, following me along my entire life and even in adulthood. Case in point, my husband, who I will refer to as babes uh, for the rest of this episode and all episodes, um, he is very tropical and I am very not. So <laughs> he likes to adventure and do all these things. One of the things he really enjoys to do is be around the water. I don't like to be around the water as I'm a Cuban and I feel like we've been around the water enough. And um, <laughs> my husband always wants to go on cruises. He's from Costa Rica. He loves the water. He wants to be in the tropics. And so 10 years into our marriage, he finally talked me into getting on a boat and going on a cruise and see what you need to know about this cruise is I'm not really big on cruises. I didn't even dress appropriately. I wasn't prepared at all for this trip. I took like sweatpants and like skinny jeans and hoodies and I wore my Chelsea boots and you know, I'm, I was the girl in all sweatpants and white tennis shoes. I was just not prepared at all. Like I paid for the cabana and I stayed under it and read the whole time. I didn't even get in the water in the Bahamas because there are sharks in the water and this girl does not want to be anywhere near sharks. 
long story short, day four of this uh, trip, we're heading back to, um, we're in the middle of the sea. It's like one of those day at seas. If you've never been on a cruise, there's actually like, you st- you have stops and then there's days at sea, which doesn't sound very fun um, for a person who doesn't like to be in the water. And also a person who's watched Titanic too many times. So we're, <laughs> we're taking a nap. It's, it's in the middle of the afternoon and I hear the ship go and turn off. My husband, I love him, but babes was asleep through this entire situation. He slept through the whole thing. The whole boat turned off. Like it turned off and started to like, like feel like it was tipping. I'm not exaggerating. I'm dead serious. So because I'm catastrophic, I immediately freak out, jump out of bed. Mind you, babes is still asleep. Jump out of bed. I get fully clothed, fully clothed in like jeans and boots and hoodies. And I am like ready because if I'm getting in the water, I'm wearing boots because I read somewhere that like, I mean, when sharks come, cause the most the, like supposedly, okay, I've watched too many of these shows, sharks that are the most hungry are the ones that are in the middle of the ocean. And then I saw on some weird show that if you're wearing jeans, it can become a floating device. And so I have like my whole, like, just in case I have to go into the water outfit. And so I wake him up, I'm fully dressed and I'm like, dude, the boat is going down. You gotta wake up. And so he's super sweet and normal and he, uh, gets dressed and he, he deals with me and he's like, look, we can, everything's fine. Let's just go to the top of the boat. I'm sure they're going to say something with, before we could even get to the top of the boat, the captain comes on in his very little beautiful British accent that tried to make everything okay and say, Hey, you know, everything's fine. The boat's back running. We had a little bit of a mechanical situation in the middle of the ocean. So I'm now freaking out. It is six o'clock at night and I have now taken babes to the top of the boat and I have I have him sitting next to the boat that I've decided personally I'm going to man regardless of anybody else on the boat I'm I'm gonna man this mother and I'm gonna do it by myself because I don't really care about anyone else at this point I am literally reliving that scene in Titanic where they're like this is the last sunset that we ever saw so he finally gets frustrated with me kisses me on the forehead and abandons me so I just sat there for hours by myself. I only tell you this story one, so no one invites me on any off the wall water excursions. Um, and also to tell you that if you're not absolutely careful, you will end up like me in this story and become a person that's feelings are so pushing them forward that all they will ever care about is their own personal survival. And that's not what God made feelings for. God didn't make us feelings so that we would only be focused on us. He gave us feelings as indicators, feelings to push us towards the truth that God didn't give us feelings so we would be selfish. Instead, he gave us feelings so we would become selfless. That's right. Your feelings aren't for you. Your feelings are are the Holy Spirit showing you what God is doing in the moment. And that's what you're supposed to become, a person that can steward their feelings well. That's the goal, my friends, to steward your feelings well. And that leads me to the next story I'm going to share with you. And it's a story about who I I personally have come to believe was the most emotionally driven person in the Bible. The person with the most feelings ever. This person had a lot of feelings. No, I'm not talking about the prophet Jeremiah who cried all the time. That dude cried all the time. I'm not talking about Peter, my spirit animal, who allowed his feelings to guide his horribly misplaced advice. Like, I mean, that dude said the wrong thing at the wrong time at all times. Or, I mean, he, he just cut people's ears off. The dude was just super emotional. I'm talking about Judas. Yes, Judas. Uh, This dude gets a bad rap, but my hope is in talking to you today about Judas that uh, all us emotional head cases out there will feel a little bit better about ourselves. 
So there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is being anointed. It's it's before the Garden of Gethsemane. It's before the Last Supper. It's before he's betrayed. Um, and a woman comes and she anoints him. I'm going to read it uh, really quickly or try to read it really quickly. And then I'm going to share with you the lesson, the leadership lesson that I felt like God gave me about feelings through it. Cool. You ready? Let's do this. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Uh, but when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. I mean, I feel like that's a legitimate concern. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble about this woman? For she's done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial, uh, as a memorial to her. And then it goes right into the story where Jesus um, is about to be betrayed and Judas agrees to betray Jesus. And, and literally, it's like right after Judas, the guy that oversaw the money, feels like this is a waste. Because I'm going to assume, it doesn't say it, but I'm going to assume, since it's right the very next story, that Judas was the guy that became indignant and he really thought this was a waste, that he allowed his emotions and his feelings behind whatever happened to go and betray Jesus. Look, I know this guy gets a bad rap. I know, I know he denied Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I got it. Which I found out recently by reading the incredibly thorough commentary, um, Google, that in terms of purchasing power, each silver piece probably was worth about 20 bucks. The standard of living being much more lower in modern Western society. So this 30 pieces was worth about 600 bucks. 600 bucks. But in real terms, this is what I've realized about Judas. He's just like us. Like I have an, like an emotional, really, I really feel like this dude was just like us. Hear me out. He had experienced the love of Jesus or he wouldn't have followed him. He had a super intense work ethic or he wouldn't have been upset about the money. And he was led by his emotions. That's why he turned Jesus into all the haters. He was just like us. So what am I saying? If we aren't careful in life, in leadership, or even in our faith, I would venture to say that any one of us could straight turn our backs on the love of God, the dude that died on a cross for our sins for 600 bucks, or something that costs a lot, or costs, I don't know, what, a job, maybe a position that moves you farther away from your family or God, a, a raise that maybe you took credit for, that was really for someone else, maybe a gift that someone gave you that made you have to make a decision that uh, you had to act a certain way or be a certain way. Maybe it's your time that you gave away. Maybe it's a relationship that you stepped into. I don't know. I have found that feelings will move you into a moment and they'll even move you in the moment, but inevitably they'll move you farther away from your purpose if your feelings aren't guided by the Holy Spirit. And that was Judas, angry about what he perceived was a waste. What he perceived he perhaps was an expert on. I always think about this. He was the dude that was over the money. And in that moment, Jesus wasn't asking for his expertise. He was asking for his obedience. He was asking him to just sit and watch and see what was happening. See, Jesus had a bigger picture mindset and Judas did not. Judas was focused on the moment. And I think a lot of times when we make decisions emotionally, we're just focused on the right then and right now instead of what could possibly be. And in response, here we find Judas, he made an emotional decision that eventually led him to death. See, our feelings are roadmaps. They're not our compass. Your feelings are meant to guide you. They're not meant to define you. And practically speaking, if you're angry, I'm basing this on me being an angry bear. 
I find when I'm angry, a core value that may have been, there could have been a core value that's probably been tampered with. For me, I only really get angry when I feel disrespected or I see others being treated badly because honor is a huge core value for me. It's what kept me getting beating up, beat up every day in fourth grade when that one girl used to make fun of that other little poor girl and I would just get involved because it just frustrated me to see somebody being treated badly. I have a desire for justice and what happens is when I see something or feeling disrespected or I see someone being treated badly, I just jump in and I become emotional about it. And God is usually walking me through that just so I can choose to model honor in response. See, God won't walk you through something if he's not going to teach you something. And if I'm sad or feeling down, which is a real thing, by the way, I don't make light of depression. I don't make light of being sad because I have been sad and I've been in dark places. But I can usually route that feeling back to offense. Like I was offended by someone or I was offended by a circumstance and I allowed it to take my self-worth or root itself in who I know I am. And it's usually God in those moments in my darkness and in my sadness where he's asking me to choose and model love in response. See, if love, if love covers a multitude, then why don't I choose love in the darkest of moments? That's usually what I feel like God's teaching me when I'm emotional, when I'm sad and when I'm feeling down. Like, how can I bring love into that situation? See, feelings aren't bad. They're indicators. It's like an indicator light in your car. And maturity being, maturity is like being led by the Holy Spirit. It helps you navigate the ind indicator lights of your life. I'm going to say that again because I feel like I didn't say that correctly, but feelings aren't bad. They're indicators. And if we look at Jesus in the exact same story, he instead chose not to be emotional. He instead focused his feelings uh, on, on the right things. And I'm, I'm going to write, I'm literally going to walk you down what those things are because they're so incredibly important. So here we go. Here's Jesus. He's in the exact same story. And instead of being focused on the feelings of how jacked up the situation was and the beating he was about to receive, he focused and stewarded his emotions and maturity on the following. Now I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it through the filter of Jesus. And when Jesus was in Bethany in his house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head and sat at the table. First things first, I believe Jesus in this moment, he's modeling us how to steward our emotions well. And the first thing, I, I love that it pops out. There was a woman, she came with an alabaster flask of very, very costly fragrant oil. So I feel like in this moment, Jesus is focused on the people. He's focused on this woman. He's focused on, he's watching her sacrifice. He wasn't emotional about what was about to happen. He wasn't emotional about the fact that he knew he was going to be betrayed. He was focused on people. The second thing that I feel like he was focused on, it says for this uh, fragrant oil, they were saying that it was a waste. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said it to them. Why do you trouble yourself? For she has done good work for me. And then he goes on to say, for you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body. She did it for burial. He was focused on his mission. He was focused on the father. So not only was he focused on people and wasn't emotional, he was focused on the mission. He was focused on what God was calling him to do. And sometimes I feel like when we're in life and we're in work and we're not focused on the people, we're not focused that God has a plan for this specific person and God has put them in my way for a specific reason. And we don't focus on that. We just focus on what we feel. And again, feelings are good, but they're not God. The second thing that I love so much about Jesus and he models the best leadership advice and always like is that he says, assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told in her memorial. Like he was focused on the big picture. 
He knew that that tiny moment, that moment where he was about to be anointed, he knew that there was a reason behind it. There was a reason behind it. Do you know that that oil that they poured on him, he got anointed twice in the, before he died. And so that anointing oil that they put on him was like the scent of royalty. I love this story. It kind of makes me emotional. I'm going to try to say this without crying. But that scent of Jesus that Jesus had, it smelled like royalty, right? So when he was betrayed in the garden and he was crying and crying and he was crying in that corner, he smelled like royalty. When he kissed Judas and he called him friend, he smelled like royalty. When he was betrayed and he was blamed, he smelled like royalty. When they beat him beyond recognition, he smelled like royalty. When he walked that path to Golgotha, he smelled like royalty. And when he died on the cross for our sins, he smelled like royalty. I would venture to say that Jesus in every circumstance was trying to tell us that our goal and our mind frame should always be that we're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and not the moment. Do you smell like the fragrance of royalty of who you truly are in your life when you're in emotional situations? And that's what I think these three things are so important because Jesus was trying to say, hey, this is what you really should smell like. You should smell like a person who loves people, who's focused on the Father, who has a big picture mindset. And if you find yourself in a moment today where your emotions are taking over, choose to focus on the right things. Don't let the moment define you. Instead, define the moment. See, is God teaching you something? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself in a moment where you're like, I'm going to literally ninja punch this person. I'm going to lose my mind in this situation. I am so overwhelmed. I cannot even deal. Is God trying to teach you self-control? Is God trying to teach you that peace doesn't always feel like peace because peace is a person, not a feeling? Is God trying to teach you what joy truly looks like, what true happiness looks like? Go through the fruits of the Spirit and say, God, which one are you teaching me right now? Because I find in moments where I'm really emotional, it's because he's trying to teach me something. Model love. Maybe I'm supposed to be showing the person who I'm in this conflict with or this person on my team that is following me or my relationship with babes or whatever it is. Maybe I'm supposed to be crying in corners and trying to pull this person in and teach them something and model love. Or maybe like Judas, we, you and me are just one $600 transaction away from forgetting who we are. Because that's what Judas did. He forgot who he was. He forgot in that moment that he was a comrade. He was a brother in arms. He was meant for great things. Chris Vallotton of Bethel, I heard him say one time that uh, Peter denied Jesus three times and um, Judas only denied him once, but Peter made a comeback and Judas didn't. And I always wonder about that. Like, why did Judas, it was just, it was just one thing. He could have made a comeback, but I think it's just because he was so led by his emotions. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit, nor am I a professional of any of this stuff. I'm just a girl staring at a microphone, hoping that the people in my house don't make any noise so I can finish this podcast. But I just don't want you to fall into the same quicksand I have. I want you to choose to be the bare grills of your emotions and choose to let each moment be an adventure that others are watching instead of a wilderness that you've got to deal with. See, because at the end of the day, that's what this world will make you feel like. It'll make you feel like you're in this horrible wilderness that is going to eat you alive and there are trenches you're falling into and there's quicksand that you're falling. You've got to deal with it. But you don't have to deal with it. You've got to become an adventurer. God's walking you through whatever emotions you're having because he wants you to be able to master them for other people. 
See, at the end of the day, this whole crying in corners thing is not so that you'll be this super epic, mature person that can deal with your emotions. Although I'm hoping for that. It's for you to become a person that can model great things of self-awareness, knowing who you are, so that other people can see that and model it as well. Because Jesus was focused on people. I always tell my team and the people that I'm around, like, I got one job. Love God, love people. I got to be great at those two things. Everything else will just fall into place if I'm just good at those things. And here's Jesus, smelling like royalty, reminding us all that at the end of the day, that's what we're supposed to smell like. Royalty. And that's what matters in the end. So, yes, you have a lot of feelings. Yes, I have a lot of feelings. But in those moments where everything is kind of crazy town USA, what do you let guide you? That's my question for you today. What do you focus on? Do you focus on how you feel? Or do you focus on why you feel that way? I'm going to ask you to ask yourself that question this week to really seek God about it this week because the reality is, is God wants you to have discretion and God wants you to have discernment. See, discretion is knowing what you should be doing in the situation. Discernment is knowing what God is doing. And in this story, Jesus knew he had discretion. He knew that he needed to be focused on the people. He knew his heart needed to be focused on the right things. And he had discernment. He knew the bigger picture. He had confidence that God knew the best plan in place. So trust that God knows what he's doing. Trust that the people are what God wants you to be focused on. That's how you'll know why you feel the way that you feel. Discernment, discretion, focus on the right things. God has a plan for your life. And that plan is is to impact people in such a way that you become a person that is not selfish. Instead, you're a person that is selfless. So remember, feelings are your roadmap. They're not your compass. Your feelings are meant to guide you. They're not meant to define you. And that's who you are. Focused on people. Focused on the Father. Focused on the bigger picture. Don't let the moment define you. Instead, define the moment by focusing on the right things. Look, you've got this. You're not going to fail. I know there's things in front of you. I know life is hard. But you're going to become the Bear grills of your emotions. I'm like the guy from Castaway on my emotions, but Bear Grylls is absolutely the goal in this situation. True story. True story. (laughs) But you've got this. I believe in you. (laughs) All right. That's really all I got today. Um, Seriously, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Um, I believe that God's got some epic things to say, and um, I'm super excited about this journey and this journey with you and uh, us becoming besties and you not judging me for all my crazy, weird cruise stories and things that I do. If you haven't left a review yet, please do so. Um, Say nice things, please, because you already know that I'm an emotional head case. And um, make sure you follow me on Instagram. Um, Check out my blog at sharice.org. And follow Creative Church as I'm part of their network. And I love them. And they're fantastic. And they do amazing things. Um, Yeah. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. Shoot me a DM. Um, I promise I'll respond. And if you have any questions or ideas about I Cry in Corners, uh, I'd love to hear about it. Yep. That's pretty much it. All right. I love you, weirdos. Talk to you next week. To listen to the rest of the iCrying Corners catalog, visit the podcast section on the creativechurch.com website.
Welcome to Reply All. Each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Church group on Facebook or on Instagram. Last week we asked, what is your best fireworks story? However, before the show, I realized my posts never went out. Uh, oh. So we never captured any feedback. Oh, yeah. I, I, wow. Guys, I was, I was, I, we took a, like a weird, uh, sudden trip to Tennessee last week. And it was just like, oh, we're going to do this. And it was like, we made a decision on Friday and uh, we went on Saturday. So it was like, I was juggling work and being there on quote unquote vacation. So it was just, it was just all a mess. Um, and then move, coming back last night was just a complete mess as well. So sorry, didn't get that question out. But this week, this week we're ready. Because this week I have a new question, uh, and that is, what was one thing that was cool when you were younger, but is no longer cool today? And uh, we, we got that question ready to go. It's already scheduled, so it's, it's, it's ready to go. Guys, what was one thing that was cool whenever you were younger that is no longer cool today? Definitely fanny and, packs. Uh, hey, hey, but Emily? those are coming Emily? back. What? They, they are. I mean, The Rock kind of is bringing them back. So They are. And Emily, I will not, I will not discredit if you say Tempted Bill. Oh my goodness. I will not promise. I, I promise. feel like I just gave you two something else to like make fun of me about. Now it's Oreos. And what is, okay, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Perfect world, you find out Tim Tebow likes Oreos. <laughs> that would be amazing. Then, How can you deal with and that? And then there's a new flavor that's called Tiborios. <gasps> wow. Oh man. Emily, would you even be able to come on to the podcast anymore? Just be completely Dreams come true. Just, oh my goodness. You know, passed out. Is I is Tebow married out. now? No. <laughs> she's like oh I no the, she was I know very the answer quick to that, that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very quick no that was wow um i'm not married uh, yet either it's fine oh uh, yeah uh, was, uh, she's just throwing that out just saying just throwing uh, that out there just saying <laughs> anyways See, this, we can move this right podcast, on this podcast went from a round table with tim tebow to setting emily up on a blind date with tim tebow that's what this dish became you know it's not an interview anymore it's a mm. date mm. Mm. Wow, this is awesome. Anyway, I'm like uh, let's blushing behind my podcast mic. <laughs> right I, can now. Just, I can feel you blushing from here. It's like I am all the all the blood is probably run to your face uh, right now. Yep. Back uh, to fanny packs. <laughs> Ross talked about fanny packs. Fanny packs. Ross talked about fanny packs. Emily, what's oh, one did thing? Did you want me to expound on that or anything? Or, or... I'm just Why creating think, a diversion. Okay, real quick, real quick, yeah. Uh, real quick, Ross, why do you think panty packs aren't cool? Because I've been wearing one since 1992. I thought they were great. I mean, yeah, yeah. Here in here in Disney can, World, I think so. Here in yeah. Disney World, I have not seen a man without a fanny pack in months. Wow. I'm not saying I they're mean, not they're still there. used. I'm just saying <laughs> that the style for them has long passed. I, I used to wear them when I would go to amusement parks when I was a child. Yeah. In the 90s, and so yeah, it uh, it was definitely. A nice utility belt of snacks and now ID and everything. So okay, so fanny pack. Do you wear them in the front or the back? I kind of, I kind of did a little either front or or off to the side, a little asymmetrical okay. wear. So do you think? Because I mean, I, I feel like I've seen the fanny packs. People actually look cool in them when they're wearing them, like in the back, like they look like a they're a superhero or like a like an army man. Uh, do you guys or, not agree with or, that? Or an emergency responder. Or emergency or... responder. Yeah. Yeah, they look, hey, they look like someone who has it going on and knows where they're going. Like, they look no. like they're in charge. Still, oh. still no. This is news to me. This is news to me that the fanny packs are not, How even though we've asked the question. As, as Nick is sitting there looking at his fanny pack collection. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, okay. So like I see a guy in a fanny pack. All right. 
and he's wearing it behind like he's wearing it like on like on his back you know like he's turned it around okay uh -huh. now I'm, i agree with you the fanny packs in the front and the side those aren't cool all right but if i see a well fit guy you know someone who's strong wearing a fanny pack to the back that's the guy i'm following should things go down so if tim <laughs> like tebow was just... wearing a fanny pack you'd follow him if things went down i'd follow him anywhere I would, Boom, I you would, heard it here, folks. I would follow him even if that meant a minor league bowling team that I would follow him <laughs> because that that that's the kind of leadership that I look for is a guy wearing a fanny pack to his back. I would definitely be a bowling fan for sure. Yeah. The, yeah. Have you, yeah, I don't know. The only thing I've seen with that is like runners who keep uh you know, they're water oh, bottles. And that's, and that's a stuff. running runners. belt. It's not a fanny pack. It's See, a exactly. Belt. It's a totally oh. different thing, Nick. Yeah, oh. it's not the same. Well, maybe these these people are just wearing running belts, and that's what. No, no, I'm pretty sure. Runner's belt is thinner. It's not a fanny pack. Oh no, yeah, no, no. Fanny no. packs are much bulkier, like yeah. cargo shorts. Get with it, come on, Nick. I just feel like if I see a guy, it's it's kind of like if you have a holster like on your back, you know, like like the back holster, you know, mm -hmm. that that kind of you know where you're sticking it down to your pants and your back, you know, your waist belt. I don't know how to describe this. This is a podcast. Uh, this is getting awkward. <laughs> yeah, so you're just in the in the in the in the behind region. You have the gun, like that's the cool pot. Part, part to put the gun right like that's that's i don't know i, I just feel like I the same know. way with the fanny pack uh, i feel so, like if you're watching a cop show that's the cool place to have the gun right but you don't put guns in fanny packs nick <laughs> i know but the fanny pack is the same thing you just turn that thing around it becomes I mean, instantly fuller no no i think so no i think um, I, all okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna, all i'm gonna say is next time you're in a crowded area something goes down god forbid I would look for the guy with the fanny pack because you know he has a first aid kit in there. You know it. Okay. You know he has, uh, has band-aids, everything you need. Alcohol so the other, swabs. The other thing that I think was in uh, but isn't but now is making a comeback, just like the fanny pack, are overalls. Like, I wore those a mm. ton as a kid, and now, like, they're the biggest rage. Okay, see, I grew up in Tennessee. This is another thing. I did not realize overalls went out. I thought that they were just things farmers. Nick, wore. you just come no. from the land where time stands still. I, <laughs> I yeah. So I'm gonna yeah. This is, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I wouldn't wear overalls, but um, I don't know any of my people that would wear overalls, and that is big, tall, white people. Um, I don't know that we would wear overalls. I just don't think we look good in them. But yeah, I think you could pull it off. I don't think I could. I think I think that with my fanny pack, I don't think it would look good. Emily, are you still mm. here? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just okay. listening. All right. To your digesting, you know, digesting. On, yeah, your wisdom two, on the fanny you're, pack you're, and the you're overall. You're just blown away right now that I am defending <laughs> no, the fanny pack. This was the stand I took. The the T Boreos. <laughs> yeah. See, Ross, you know me pretty good. Yeah. Emily's looking good. at the picture of Tim Tebow she has on her desk. No, inaccurate. Like, Let's not start that rumor. She's okay. doing Number the like, 15. squint one eye oh and then. Number and then 15. peel the Oreo apart so it reveals Tim Tebow. Okay, you guys are way too much. For Tim Tebow glass and just For this, all, all of this memorabilia. Let me set the record straight from my own mouth. I am not weirdly obsessed as uh, these guys would like it to appear. I am just a respecter of Tim Tebow. So there we go. But your favorite number is 15. Yeah. So. I just, there's a, there's a I level you crossed at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You too. Okay. So let's get we back to the reply the... all. Oh, anyway. Okay. Reply uh -huh. all. Cool <laughs> whenever I was younger. Not cool now. Um, oh, this is a difficult one. Let me I got a lot because I'm old. So like yeah. hogs. 
Yeah. Pogs. Yeah. Uh, what those were. Okay. Were Crocs ever cool? Yes. I, I use them for yard work. They're pretty I cool. use them as a swimmer, like on the swim team. They were great. See, that's what I was trying to figure out the other day was the Croc situation because people hate Crocs now, right? Yes. Yeah. Like that's people the do. consensus. We don't like Crocs. Yeah. Like we don't like them. Even though they're not that bad. Like they're not no, ugly. No, they aren't. Uh, why do they're we hate Crocs? Why do we hate them? Because people think that they're, they like to say that they're ugly. It's kind of like Nickelback. It's the shoe that everybody likes to hate. Ah, uh, okay. See, Nickelback's another one that was cool when I was younger that's no longer cool now. Unless Nickelback yeah. was never cool. Well, some people will, will say mm -hmm. that, so. Never what about know. Nick Cage? Was Nick Cage ever cool? He's always cool, Nick. He is always cool. Because his name is Nick. All right. On that note. Um... <laughs> that man is a national treasure. That is, yeah. He is. And he's a national treasure, too. That, that was the whole point of the joke. Thanks for explaining it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> he's a national treasure book of secrets. Um, he, you know, let's, let's throw this out here. Fanny pack. Would Nick Cage wear a fanny pack? Probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. There, that's all I want to know. Because that's Alrighty. where he'd put well, all his you... treasure from. Never mind. Bad jokes. <laughs> Bad jokes. Moving on. All right. All right. All right. We've, we've derailed the podcast. Officially. Um, <laughs> completely. Uh, completely. If you want to join in on this awkward turtle of a conversation, you can do so by <laughs> heading over to our Facebook page and uh, joining Creative Church Group. That's Creative Church Group. It's CRTV Church Group. Um, that's all one word. Uh, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. There are a few great ways you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and ask your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. And you can review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and more people can join us for the journey of the blind date between Emily Cummins and Tim Tebow. And and <laughs> and eventual no. rural wedding. Oh <laughs> rural rural juror. Rural. You guys are no. I, I feel like Emily it. is like really embarrassed now, and she's like, so yeah. "I'm going to get notes on the podcast. Do not publish anything you you just said." Like <laughs> she's going to be demanding we redo it and cut all the Tim Tebow stuff. Just wait until we have Tim Tebow on the podcast. No, Emily. this is just this is a different level. Oh my goodness, I'm uh, gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to be really weird is is people are going to somebody's going to know Tim Tebow. <laughs> and I anyway, I lastly consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us on social media. You can just search our handle Creative Church. That's one word, CRTV Church. Uh, special thanks to Chadi for being on Creative Church Podcast Network. Um, you can listen to all of her shows. Just search Creative Church on wherever you get your podcast. Also, special thanks to Church Media Squad for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor. Go check them out and sign up for that 14 day trial. In the meantime, I'm Nick Goodner. I'm Ross Montgomery. And I'm Emily Cummins. You said your last name wrong. What? Emily Tebow. Uh, <laughs> Emily Tebow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, you guys are for real brothers. Okay, real quick, oh before goodness. we leave, before we leave, would you hyphenate the Tebow <laughs> and have the coming still? Or would okay, you keep actually, it? I feel, okay, that actually would sound kind of cool. Emily Cummins Tebow. Because mm -hmm. here's, a, here's a fun fact about Emily that I didn't know um, until recently. Uh, her middle, or Your middle initial is B, right? Like yes. it's Emily B. Cummings. Uh-huh. Like becoming, like becoming me. <laughs> becoming. Like, did people you ever put those two that. together? Okay, I personally did not, but like a lot of people have said that to me, and I did not plan it. So yeah. So go. if you get the Crazy. hyphen, it's Emily B. Coming Tebow. 
<laughs> Except it's Cummins like the diesel oh, engine. Cummins, yeah, not, Cummins too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh close. my goodness. Yep. All right. You guys well, are crazy. Well, for Tim Tebow, I'm Nick Gunner, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Church Podcast. If you like what you heard, then make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts Creative Church has to offer by going to the podcast section of creativechurch.com.